As you may have guessed, we're dealing with God being present. And what better thing to do than not only to come to him in prayer and worship, but to open his word. And one of the passages which best captures the theme for the day is Psalm 139. I'm going to save the first part of that because the first part of the psalm deals with his omniscience. And Pastor Kevin gets that one later. So we're going to deal with the middle of the psalm, starting verse 5 in through verse 12. Psalm 139, beginning at verse 5, reading through verse 12. Let's hear this word of the Lord. You hem me in, you, you hem me in behind before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. May God add his blessing to this reading of his word. Let's pray. Lord our God, we know that you are here. Make us now receptive to you and to your word. Speak to us what you would have us here, implanted in each of our hearts. Accomplish the purpose for which you have sent it forth. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. So, what does it mean to say that God is omnipresent? One theologian put it this way, God is non-material, non-corporeal, and therefore non-localized. That's helpful, isn't it? (laughs) That's a mouthful. There was a columnist back in the early 90s who wrote for the Los Angeles Times who actually was writing an opinion piece on prayer in the public schools, but he brought in something about the omnipresence of God. He put it this way. Americans may reasonably differ on whether state-crafted prayer should be authorized in public schools, but it is an insecure, if not manipulative, view of the Christian faith to imply that an agency of the state can block the presence of God. God is not excludable from any place. A U.S. Supreme Court cannot keep an omnipresent God out of our schools any more than Congress is needed to put him back in. That's something about the omnipresence of God, isn't it? But I think the best answer came from a young child who was asked a little bit different, but questioned in the same vein. She was asked, why is there but one God? And she said, because God fills every place and there's no room for another one. I think that says it pretty well. God is in every place. Do you believe that? God is omnipresent. But here's the question for you. Do you run from or rest in God? Do you find crisis or comfort in his presence? A woman was driving home and she noticed a a huge truck come up and be so, so close to her bumper. She was a little concerned, so she stepped on the gas and went a little faster, and the trucker stayed right behind her, almost on that bumper. She began to 
to be a little bit concerned and now a little scared and worried. So next exit, she exited off the highway, and sure enough, the truck followed her right on her bumper. So she turned on the main street, and she sped up, and trucker followed her. Trucker even went through a red light just to stay close to her. So by now, she's panicking. So she pulls into a gas station lot, opens her car door, starts running out, screaming for help. Truck driver steps out of the cab of his truck. He, too, runs, but he runs to the door of her car, the back door, pulls it open, and pulls out a would-be captor who was laying hiding in the back seat. You see, from his high vantage point, he could see what was about to happen and take place. The woman had been running from safety, even though she didn't know it. The trucker's chase was not meant to harm her, but to help her, even at the cost of his own safety. That sounds sort of like God, doesn't it? Do you run from or do you rest in him? In this 139th Psalm, David expounds the impact of this thought that God is always near. So in verse 7 and 8, he asks, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. And if I make my bed in the depths, you're there. God is always present. He's always present. He's never absent. We are followed by God every step of the way through life. That's something that Israel never doubted. Listen to the prophets, Isaiah 57, 15. For this is what the high and exalted one says. He lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly. Revive the heart of the contrite. Jeremiah, 23rd chapter, starting verse 23. Am I a God who is only close at hand, says the Lord? No, I am far away at the same time. Can anyone hide from me in a secret place? Am I not everywhere in all the heavens and the earth, says the Lord? Now, most of us have no basic problem with this tenet that God is present with us everywhere. But the question is, I say again, are you comfortable with it? Whether we run from or rest in God depends totally on our view of God. So I ask, is God for you a detective or a bodyguard? Is God with us to to harm us? Do we see him as a detective who pursues and tracks us and hounds us so he can get all kinds of dirt on us so he can condemn us and hurt us, causing us to live in fear and hiding? If we see him that way, we'll be uncomfortable in his presence. But if we see God as as a bodyguard who dogs us in order to heal and protect us, then we'll feel safe and we'll cherish his presence. We'll live fear-free. So this morning, the question really is, how do you feel about God? How do you view God? Do you really like and cherish the fact that God is always with you? Or do you not? Because if we're honest, if we're really honest, the reality is we sometimes do resent his presence. By human nature, we are prone to run from God. Many of you here can remember singing lustily in church the hymn that contains the words, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. We sang it gustily, but it's true. Think about Genesis chapter 3. We read that in the cool of every day, Adam and Eve got to walk with God. 
Then they sinned. And the next time God came to walk with them in the cool of the day, they feared his presence, and they ran and they tried to hide from him. God called out to Adam, Where are you? It wasn't that God didn't know where Adam was. He knew where Adam was. He could see him there. But he was asking Adam to acknowledge where he was so he could get the help that God could bring him. Remember Jonah? He didn't like the call that God placed on his life, so he hopped on a, on a boat to sail far away, and God was not absent. God caused a storm to come up, and they threw Jonah overboard, and God brought him back in the belly of a whale. Remember Peter, overwhelmed with the fact that Jesus was the presence of God in all of his holiness, and he said to Jesus, Depart from me! And yet it was on Peter's faith that Jesus built his church. Always remember, when you feel like running away from God, he will let you run, but he will not let you hide. And that's for your good. Several years ago, I watched a movie. I forget the title of it, but it was a fictional movie about the daughter of the President of the United States. And the plot centered on the fact that she was so tired of always being under the eye of the Secret Service. She really wanted to get away and be free for a while. And she befriended one of the Secret Service agents who said, okay, let's go away, but I'll stay with you. So they went off on a little jauntlet. But eventually she left him behind also and escaped from him started enjoying this this newfound freedom until she was kidnapped. Then she wished she had some Secret Service people around to help her. And I remember when I watched it, I thought, that's so much like us. It's good, we think, to have God around, and yet, yet have you ever wished you could shake him? If even for, for just a moment, have you ever felt that way with God? Just once, You wanted to see that movie, buy that magazine, read that book, cheat on that income tax, tell that joke, tell that person what you really think, or do whatever with no one and not even God watching. But let's be glad that God is always present. Because when God is with us, when he's always present with us, we never have to say, I'm a total stranger. No one knows me. I'm alone. There's no one who understands me or my problems or my situations. We are never alone. When you're ready to lead that Bible study, God is with you. When you're leaving for your job or for school, God is with you. When you're trying to make that sale, God is with you. When you need to witness to that person who works next to you or sits next to you in school, God is with you. When you're traveling, God is with you. When someone you love needs loving confrontation, God is with you. When you go to bed to sleep at night, God is with you. When your loved one dies and the loneliness is unbearable, God is with you. You are never, ever alone. Would you really want it any other way? 
Dr. Tony Campolo grew up in a congested, bustling city. When he was just starting school, his mother paid a teenage girl who lived nearby a quarter a week. At that time, that was a lot of money, but she paid, paid her a quarter a week to walk home with him after school to be sure that he was safe and didn't get distracted along the way. But Tony said that in the second grade, he rebelled against that. And so he tried to bargain with his mother. He said, I'll walk myself to and from school, and you can just give me a nickel a week. You can get the other 20 cents, and we'll both be, both be ahead. And after a period of pleading and arguing, she finally gave in, and he got his way. For the next two years, he walked himself to and from school. There were eight different blocks. There were a lot of intersections and a lot of things that could distract him, but he paid attention. He did well, never got any trouble, never got distracted. Some years later, at a family party, they were talking about family things, and he began to brag about how well he took care of himself at that young age. His mother began to laugh, and she told the rest of the story. She said, do you really think you were alone? Every morning you left for school, I left with you. I walked behind you all the way. When you got out of school at 3.30 in the afternoon, I was there. I always kept myself hidden, but I was there and I followed you all the way home. I just wanted to be there in case you needed me. That sounds just like God, doesn't it? Would you really want it any other way? God is always present with us. But not only is God always present with us, God is always preserving us. Verses 9 and 10. If I rise in the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. The wings of the dawn refer to speed, and the sea refers to distance. So we can, we can think of the imagery this way. It doesn't take long for the sun to rise in the morning and light up the sky. In fact, when there's just a sliver over the horizon, the whole sky is full of light. That's because the speed of light is 183 miles per second. Put in perspective, if, if I could travel that fast, I could be at the moon in one and one-third seconds. That's fast. Now, David didn't know those facts, but David was fancying that even if he could travel as far away as he could possibly get and get there as fast as he could possibly get there, God would still be with him. If David could travel to an uncharted sea somewhere, by the time he got there, God would be waiting with a chart of the sea in his hand. Wherever we are, God's already there. And wherever we're going, we meet him waiting for us. One afternoon when I was serving the Trinity Reformed Church here in Kalamazoo many years ago, I needed to make a few calls on some people who were going through some difficult times. I got in the car and had my route all set and at the last moment decided I would reverse the order of the way I was going to travel and who I was going to see. And so the first call I made was on a young wife and mother whose husband had just recently cruelly walked out on her and when I knocked on the door, she had just gotten off the phone. He had called her with more bad news and given her an even harder time. And so I was there at the very moment she needed someone to talk to. God had already prepared the way. I couldn't beat him to the punch. Verse 5 actually says the same thing, but with a little bit different picture. 
You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. When I read this, I think of a dear gal named Pam, who was a babysitter for our boys, and they're growing up here in Kalamazoo. We loved her and adored her, and our boys fortunately did as well. And so when she would babysit at night, and we were going to be getting home after the boys were to be in bed, she would put the boys to bed. And she had a little game she would play with them, and then she would say she, she loved them, but it was time for them now to get in bed and to stay there, and she would take the covers and she would put it underneath the mattress and put them in as snug and tight as she could. And you know, never once did they try to get out. They loved it. They felt the hand of love and they felt security, even though they were hemmed in. Now that's not quite the imagery that is used here, but it's the same message. Here it, it refers to when an army lays siege. When they lay siege, they cut off all the escape routes. And you're enclosed. You can't get out, but no one else can get in. Our way is enclosed by God. We cannot escape Him, but neither can the enemy come and get after us. God is behind us, forgiving us, before us, preparing the way, above, beneath, and around us to protect us. God is managing and protecting our lives. We can never escape Him. While we may leave His path, He will never, ever leave our path. We may sleep. He never slumbers. We may neglect him. He never neglects us. So if you see God as a detective, that will make you uncomfortable. If you want to do your own thing, if you want to live with no controls and no or few rules, then God's presence will be upsetting. If you ever feel, just once, let me be alone, God's presence and God's preserving will be a problem for you. But if you see God as your bodyguard, this will be good news. Because whenever you try to flee from God, God will already be there to guide you and rescue you because He loves you. He preserves, He heals, He covers, He leads, He protects you. Even when you run like a fugitive to try to get away from Him so He can preserve your life for his grand purpose for you. How fortunate and blessed we are with what the psalmist tells us. God is always present, always preserving us. Listen to what the psalmist said in the previous psalm, Psalm 138, starting verse 7. Though I am surrounded by troubles, you will protect me from the anger of my enemies. You reach out your hand and the power of your right hand saves me. The Lord will work out his plans for my life. For your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. Don't abandon me, for you made me. God wants to guide and rescue you because he loves you. Solomon Ginsberg, a Polish Jew, became a Christian, became a flaming evangelist across Europe and South America. In 1911, he decided he needed a break. He needed a rest, and so he decided he would come to America and take a furlough. His route took him to Lisbon where he planned to cross the Bay of Biscay to London and then on to the States. But arriving in Lisbon, he found bulletin boards plastered with notices that the weather was going to be terrible. There would be terrific storms raging on the Bay of Biscay 
and it would be a dangerous sailing, and many recommended that he delay his trip for a week, which his ticket allowed him to do. But he decided to pray about it. And as he prayed, he turned to his prayer calendar and found the text for the day was Deuteronomy 2.7. For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hand. He knows you're trudging through this great wilderness. These 40 years the Lord your God has been with you. You have lacked nothing. He felt like the Lord was assuring him that everything would be okay, so he boarded as planned, and his trip went fine. He was able to get on the ship Majestic in London. He came to the States, and there was no problem. It was only after he arrived in the United States that he realized if he had delayed his trip in Lisbon for a week, he would have arrived in London just in time, just in time to board the Titanic. And we all know what that would have meant. God is present. God likewise preserves us. Yet that's not all. Verses 11 and 12. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. God is always penetrating our lives. Not even the darkness can stop him, even in the darkest hours. Our ever-present God gets through to us. Again, if you see God as a detective, that's not going to thrill you. It will frustrate you. Why is it that criminals so often strike at night? Under the cover of darkness. Fewer people can see them. It's like a little child playing hide-and-go-seek, and they, they hide behind the curtains because they can't see you, so they're sure you can't see them. That's sort of what's being said here. Yeah, I'll go ahead and tell the story. <clears throat> when I was a young boy, my family lived in a wonderful neighborhood here in Kalamazoo. And just a half a block up the street was a little corner grocery store. And quite frequently, my mother would send me to the store to get some things for her, and then, they don't do this anymore, but then the owner of the store, Reva, would just write it on the family bill. Well, one day my mother said I could go to the store and <clears throat> get what she needed, and she said I could buy some candy as well. So I did that, and I brought the groceries home to her, and I ate my candy, and the candy was really, really good. I decided I wanted some more. So I went back up to the grocery store, asked for some more candy, and, and Reva said, are you sure you can do this? And I said, oh, yeah, I, I've got some friends coming over, and they want candy too. <clears throat> I went back home. But not wanting to be caught in my lie, I hid under the front porch in the darkness to eat my candy, figuring I had it made. And I did. Until my mother came out and called me and said Reva had called her. I'm not going to tell you the rest of the story, but that's, that's <laughs> I, I think you already get the point of that. What I learned at that moment was we're not safe even under the cover of darkness or a porch, and later I realized we're never out of the light of God can't live in the darkness without his light. But the truth is, we all have ways of avoiding God. How have you tried to do so? Where do you try to hide? When do you become uncomfortable with God? If we see God as a detective, his truth will frustrate us. But if we follow the good news and know that God is our bodyguard, our protector, our preserver, 
our penetrator, we can rejoice because God is our light in darkness and he invites us to live in his light. Most of us like to have somebody to dump on when we're frustrated or angry or somebody to help us when we have a need or someone to cry out to when we have no answers. Well, listen to God's invitations. Psalm 55, verse 22. Cast your burden, literally, cast what he has given you upon the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. The passage from Matthew eleven twenty eight, which should be very familiar to us by now. <clears throat> Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. First Peter 5, 7, Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Now understand that in Psalm 139, David was not saying he was looking to try to hide. He was saying how glad he was that he couldn't go and do it, and so he was imagining ways that it, he could try to do it and said none of them would work. Back in the 16th Psalm, he wrote these words in verses 8 to 11. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad, my tongue rejoices, my body also will rest secure, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. God penetrates our lives. So this is all about the omnipresence of God. <clears throat> that he's everywhere all at once. But how can he be with you in your need and darkness and come to you in your hiding when I also have a need and am in darkness and am in hiding? A.W. Tozer gave an example that I've sort of brought down to our day that I help, think help explain that. Imagine a young child on the shore of the ocean or Lake Michigan. They take their little pail and they go in the ocean and they, they fill it up and the ocean fills their pail. Their pail is full of the ocean and yet the ocean surrounds the pail. And at the same time, it's filling other pails all around the ocean, even on the far opposite coast. Why? Because the water is in abundance. There's plenty of water to go around. There's plenty of ocean for everyone. So never forget when you're crying out, God, where are you? He'll always respond with, I'm right here. I'm with you. I'm for you. I've got this. I love you. God can do so because there's plenty of him to go around. <clears throat> How can we be sure? Just look at the cross. It reminds us that God's omnipresence is not just a theoretical, theological consideration it is a precious truth about redemption and grace. Although we have repeatedly sinned and deserve God's judgment, God comes to us and repeatedly declares, I will be with you. This means wherever we are, that God is on our side. He is with us not to be a detective to destroy us, but as a bodyguard to forgive and save us from sin. So no matter what happens in our lives, no matter how often we try to run or hide or flee, 
no matter how heavy the load we're carrying, we can say with the prophet Habakkuk, even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, even though life is that bad and difficult, I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as a sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. He lifts me up. Someone once asked the great evangelist Dwight Moody how he managed to remain so intimate in his relationship with Christ. This was his response. I have come to him as the best friend I have ever found, and I can trust him in that relationship. I have believed he is Savior. I have believed he is God. I have believed his atonement on the cross is mine, and I have come to him and submitted myself on knees, surrendered everything to him, and gotten up and stood by his side as my friend. And there isn't any problem in my life. There isn't any uncertainty in my work, but I turn and speak to him as naturally as to someone in the same room. And I have done it these years because I can trust Jesus. Wherever we are, God is there in Jesus with his grace. We sang it earlier. Jesus is the way maker. When life is tough, Jesus is the way maker. He's the one. When you're hurting or confused, Jesus is the one. When you're lost and floundering, <clears throat> Jesus is the one. When you're sorrowful, when sin and guilt are overwhelming you, when the pain is unbearable, Jesus is the one who will make a way. There's an old hymn, which I never got to sing much growing up, but <clears throat> found the words so meaningful. It goes like this. Who can move the mountains that are hindering you today? Who can pick them up like pebbles, clear them from the way? Who can prove his power when Christians kneel to pray? It is Jesus. He's the one. Who can heal the heartache that is crushing you within? Who can pour the balm of heaven where the hurt has been? Who can chase the shadows, make the song of joy begin? It is Jesus. He's the one. Who can keep you from all harm and guide you by his hand? Who can give you power for service and the strength to stand? Who can give you grace for all that living may demand? It is Jesus. He's the one. Jesus holds all power in his mighty hands divine. He's the one who healed the sick, turned water into wine. He makes all things possible, and he's a friend of mine. Blessed Jesus. He's the one. In and through Jesus Christ, God is always with you. Don't try to shake him. In fact, I invite you to reach out your hand even now and take hold of his. Walk with him. Listen to him. Squeeze his hand. Give him a love hug. Thank him. Rest in him. Let's pray. Lord God, <clears throat> we sang it 
a while ago. We need you. Oh, how we need you. And so, Lord, we just ask that right now you will stir our hearts. And wherever we are in our relationship with you, and we get a step closer, as we reach up and take your hand, Lord, let your love surge and flow through us. If there's anyone here or who hears this message later who's never turned to you and said, Lord, I'm tired of running. I want to rest in your presence. May this be the moment they say, Lord, come. I'm yours. For each of us, Lord, show us what we need to do to draw closer to you so that we can rest as you work so hard to protect us, preserve us, and penetrate our lives with your light and life. Lord, revive us through your grace. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.